Life brings changes to us, some of them expected, some of them unexpected. I remember growing up in uh, a little bit south of here, but here in Alberta, uh, my, myself and my friends and my brother, we would go fishing in the lakes and rivers around here every chance we got. And uh, when, we, when I moved to BC and was eventually pastoring a church in the mountains, uh, again, every chance I got to go up into the lakes and, and fish, uh, I would do it. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed that. But, but now since, since moving back to Alberta, I haven't even bought a fishing license and I have no idea why. I don't know what happened. Um, but I want to tell you a fish story. Uh, when, when we lived in B- British Columbia, I, I had a friend who was telling me one time about an uh, amazing story, an unbelievable story. He said he'd been to a lake up in the mountains, a secret lake, where the fish were biting every single cast. And I pressed him on the issue and he said, well, maybe not every cast, but at least every second or third. So that was hard to believe. Uh, but, but he said, well, do you want to go? I can prove it to you. I said, yeah, I'd, I'd like to go to that lake. And so uh, arrangements were made and plans were put in place and we were going to go fishing on Saturday. What I hadn't anticipated when I agreed to go on this fishing trip was that I'd have to get up at 5 in the morning. And so uh, my, my friend arrived with his pickup. He already had three people in the cab of the truck and one canoe on the back. And uh, we put my canoe on in the, in the dark of the early morning. Uh, the, the plan was to get to this secret lake bef- in, the, in the morning so that we could fish before the sun got up to high noon when the fish would probably stop biting. And so uh, we had to start early. So there we were, packed up, uh, two canoes on the back, four adults on the front bench seat of, a, of an old pickup truck with, with burnt-out shock absorbers. And, and it was fine at first, and I'm tired. I was kind of almost falling asleep on the highway and then it wasn't long and we we turned off the highway and we hit up headed up the mountain in in on the mountain road and it was uh, 36 kilometers of bumpy crazy switchback uh, mountain road and and at one point we even had to get out of the truck and and get the shovels out of the back and clear the road because a slide had had obscured it a bit and we couldn't get past in the truck but we were able to move enough stuff that we could get through and uh, 36 kilometers up that bumpy road, bumping against each other, heads bumping against each other, bumping the roof, uh, sore in the back and the butt. Uh, we got to the end of the road, literally the end of the road, and there was no lake. So we got out of the truck. It was just dawning. The, the sun was just coming over the horizon. And we, we, we had to take the canoes and, and carry them over top of our heads for, for two miles, not kilometers, two miles through the forest. Uh, there was a trail, uh, and so we followed the trail. You could kind of just barely see the trail in front of your feet as you're holding the canoe over your head. And so two miles of carrying the canoes, I was, I was tired. Uh, and uh, we, got, we came out of the forest onto a beautiful sandy beach and a, and a lake before us. So I'm, I'm ready to get out my fishing rod and get set before we get in the canoes, but our guide says, no, 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 we're not there yet. And uh, you can see right in the top of the map, uh, Myrtle Lake there. It's a huge lake. You couldn't even, from where we were, you couldn't even see across it. And he says, we've got to go canoe out across this lake to, to find the, the, the place where we, where we need to go. And, and so uh, we got in the canoes and we start paddling. And we still want to get there in the morning, so we've got to paddle hard. It's a long ways. And, and it seems like such a beautiful sunny morning in the forest. But you get out on the open lake where there's no trees or obstruction, and it's quite windy. 
And the wind's against us, and the waves are blowing up, and every time you lift your paddle, the spray comes in the boat, and it's hard to keep on course because of the waves and the wind. And, uh, and so finally, after, and, and we're, we're trying to get there before noon, so, so we're paddling hard. Uh, and finally, we, we come to shore again. He, our, our guide, uh, my friend, had, had brought us to shore at a place. And he said, okay, now somewhere along this beach, and the beach is like miles long, there's, there's a little rivulet of water that comes out of the mountains and, and trickles across the sand and into the, into the big lake. And that's what we have to find. Because that creek, uh, if you could call it a creek, that little trickle of water comes out of the lake we're looking for. And so we start canoeing up and down the side of this, this big lake. And, and um, I think it was about an hour we searched for that creek. And if you've been in the mountains, you know that rivulets of water come, up, come down off the mountains everywhere. And so finally we're stopped, and he says, yeah, I think this is the one. I think it's the one. No, he wasn't sure it was the one, but, but he thought it was the one. And so once again, we get out of the water, we put the canoes over our head, and now there's no trail because it's a secret lake. It's just forest. It's just bushwhacking through the forest and over the rocks, trying to keep the, the creek in sight on one side so we don't get lost in the forest, and carrying these canoes through the forest. And now it's hot. The sun's up, and we're sweating, and there's mosquitoes, and we can't slap them because we're holding canoes over our heads. After half an hour of that, I really wished I'd stayed home. I was really wishing I'd decided not to go fishing. I, uh, I was not happy, not happy at all. You know, there's a lot, of, a lot of paths we can choose. And we don't always know if we've chosen the right one. And we don't always know along the way if it's going to get us to where we want to be. And one of the paths or one of the sayings that's, that's very common, uh, I'm, I, I suspect most of you have said it at one point or another, is, that's the truth. You're trying to convince someone. That's the truth, and the truth will set you free. You've heard that, right? It comes from John chapter 8. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We all love freedom. Especially here in Western uh, European cultures, freedom is our, is our highest ideal. It's what we live for. It's what we claim our countries are all about. It's what we go to war for. Freedom is, freedom is our thing, and, and, and rightly so. It's, it's one of the most valuable things uh, a country or a person or a culture or, or anyone can have. It's, it's, it's clearly worth fighting for, as, as we know full well. And if we just can make a, make a cultural reference here, uh, I hope the, the sound's on at the back there. Um, you all remember this, don't you? And it's a stark choice, isn't it? The, the, the people in the, in the fictional depiction of somewhat real events, it depends on how you read the history books, uh, they, they've got this choice before them. But this is a choice that many people have faced in their life. Uh, uh, hope, hopefully not us, uh, because of others who fought for us, but, but this, this idea that, that you, could, you could go and fight and possibly die, but die on your own choice, a free man, or go home and accept the, the overlords that will, will uh, be over you and, and lose your freedom. Now, 
we don't face that every day. We don't paint up our faces and put on our swords. But we have choices. We, we have voices. We have signposts that, that claim, follow this truth and you'll be free. And very often they contradict each other. And so uh, some of the signposts say, vote this way and you'll be free. And then the other one says, vote this way and you'll be free. And one says, parent in this way and your children will grow up and become rich and, and take care of you in your old age. You'll be free from su- suffering. And, and, and the other parenting advice says, do it the opposite way. And uh, some, some put up a sign that says, you know, if you follow this, uh, this regimen of physical fitness or diet or whatever, then the, your body won't, def- won't uh, give up on you and you'll be free to do what you want uh, and, and play as you like until you're as old as you like. And, and you know, it just goes on and on and on. And, so, and some, of the, some of the signposts lead us to places that, that are culturally acceptable but still don't really deliver, and, and others are not culturally acceptable, but kind of give us relief from, from things, and, and, and we get confused. There's so many promises. How do you know which one to follow? The truth will set you free. Well, what is the truth? If the truth will set you free, it's worth investigating. What is the truth? And how would we know it if we found it? Now, I stand before you and declare that this book is the truth. There's no greater truth. There's no truer truth. Um, but I, it, would, it would take me probably a few hours. I could stand here and, and go through page by page and story by story and come to a final conclusion of what this book is telling us truth is. Uh, but you'd probably all go home for lunch before I did that. I'm, I'm going to cut to the chase and just hit the conclusion of that study. But I've been, I've been uh, declaring that study here from this pulpit since I first got here. So, so you're well aware where I'm going with this. We can go again to the words of Jesus and we can, we can find out the conclusion. What is the truth that would set us free? You've heard this so many times. Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the truth. We find out, we discover the truth is not a philosophy or a politics or a teaching. It's not found in science. The truth is a person. And that person is the Son of God. He is God, and He is a person. He's the the part of the Trinity. He's the one that spoke the world into place, through whom it all holds together. The truth is a person. And that person says to His disciples, to any who would, follow Me. And so some did. In fact, at first, many did follow him i mean in the early days it was wonderful there was free bread there was there was uh, vats of wine that never went dry and and there was healings every day but then as he as he went along and and they followed him he he said um you know 
The scriptures tell us that Jesus wandered from place to place and there was no place to lay his head like a fox without a den. Many followed for a bit, but they, they went home where they had a bed. And he said things and he taught things that were so radical that they, they turned off every political faction and every religious faction and philosophical faction around until the point where, where people who fought each other every day politically and, and, and religiously uh, came together in unity over, under, under one banner. Let's get rid of Jesus. Let's get rid of the truth. It's exposing our lies. They all agreed on that. And when, when the crowd saw that opposition coming from those in authority, they began to fall away. This truth that says, follow me, and I will set you free. Turned to his own family, we saw, and said, I'm going to follow this path. And they said, no, that, that leads to death. That's, that's a bad path. And he rejected them. He said, I, I, I choose this path over my family's expectations. And then the crowds slowly but surely fell away till there was just 12. And the 12 were together. They were in Jerusalem finally. The path had led them there. As we saw weeks ago, he resolutely set his face towards Jerusalem. And he told them, about how he would die. And they didn't want to hear the truth. He said, I don't know if you can carry this cup. I don't know if you can follow me on this path of love and freedom that I've chosen. Of course, they kind of bustled, raised their shoulders and puffed out their chest and said, of course, Jesus, we'll follow you anywhere. Then they went out to the Mount of Olives and they still followed. And he said, follow me in prayer. And we remember that excruciating prayer that Jesus prayed. And they fell asleep. It was tough to follow. And then the soldiers came. And I think the harder thing even than the soldiers, that was kind of expected, was the fact that one of their own was there to betray them the heartbreak, the hardship. And you know what they said? This sounds like a fish story. And they all left. They didn't follow. They gave it up. They turned around. I want to read you another story. Quite a different story. I'm going to read the whole thing. I think it's worth it this morning. Maybe you know it well. Maybe you haven't read it before. This story is from Daniel chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar, well just wait a minute before I start. As I read, ask yourself in this story, who is free? Who's free? King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plains of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messengers to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue 
King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, People of all races, nations, and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harps, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed him, informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he does not, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed with their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because of the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men, unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. When the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them, 
Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothes and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make this decree. If any people... Whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb for limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. Who is free in this story? I mean, I suspect that every one of those officials and governors and judges and magistrates started their career as a young man with dreams about what they would do for their people, with ideas, with aspirations. And here they were putting all of that aside to bow to a statue of Nebuchadnezzar. Somewhere along the way, the path they'd chosen that they thought would lead to freedom had led them to bondage. We look at Nebuchadnezzar himself. Is he free? He seems to me to be bound up in his weakness and his narcissism and his desperate grabbing for power. We all know a leader that sets up a statue and forces everyone to bow to it is not secure in their position. He's desperate. He's he's trying desperately to gain, to get further down the path he's chosen, and it hasn't satisfied, it hasn't reached, it hasn't gotten him to what he hoped. There seems a moment of clarity when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come out of the fire, right? But then he immediately goes back again to making a violent degree, forcing people to his will. He's not free. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do whatever they want because the only thing they want, the only thing they desire is to follow the God who is true. And as they do that, they end up walking around in the fire with Jesus. He comes among them the human form of God, and rescues them. Now they've made it clear that they don't care if the rescue comes and brings them out of the fire back to life on this earth or out of the fire to life with God in the new heaven and earth. They make it clear that it doesn't matter to them. Either way, it's rescue. They're confident in that. They're free. They're free to be their own people. Jesus meets them in their suffering and frees them. There's a lie. There's a lie in this world. It takes many different forms. And it always says, follow this path of least suffering and you will be free. 
And Jesus says, the truth will set you free, and I am the truth. Now, this is not something new to you. We know this. We know this deep inside. In fact, I can turn outside of the Bible, outside of the church, and look to the number one song. Okay, this is probably before most of you, but maybe some of you remember. And let's just listen to what the culture says about this slavery. There's many signposts. But Bob Dylan had the wisdom to realize that there really is only two. There really is only two. And the people, Christian or not, made the song number one. Because some, somewhere in our souls we know that it's the truth. That that is how it really does lay out before us. You're going to have to serve somebody. You're going to have to choose a path. Who to follow. And only one path leads to freedom. Let's take that, let's take that verse we looked at earlier a little bit in context. Uh, in John chapter 8. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will set us free? They didn't accept the truth that they were in bondage. There was a but. What do you mean, Jesus? We, I don't need to be set free. I've got a religious system started by Abraham that I follow and it's, it, it guarantees my freedom. If I just follow the rules exactly right, I've got no problem. I've chosen a path. That was their but. I want to ask you this morning, what's your but? Jesus said, I'm the truth and the truth will set you free. Follow me. But Jesus... I've got, I've got some wisdom. I, I've got some, some things that I can, can ingest in my body. and they, you know, I, I'm kind of inhibited, but if I take a little alcohol, everything frees up. and you know, I'm free. I can, I can say whatever I want and do whatever I like, and, and it feels good. But just follow that path further down the line. Oh, it's okay, Jesus. You know, I've, I've got this career plan and, and, and the bank account is, is adding up and, and I've, got, I've got security there and, and I've I got a lot of room to make my own choices here. I've got a good path. I don't need you to set me free. 
I've got my philosophies. I've got my political uh, solutions. I've got, I've, got my, I've got a good family around me, uh, a safety net, you know, a good community. Put my trust in that. I can do whatever I want. How does Jesus answer our buts? I don't know what yours is. What excuse you make to follow a different path other than Jesus. Because his path leads to the cross. There's a lot of good reasons to choose a different path. They all start with, but Jesus, I don't believe you. They all start with that. What's your but? Well, Jesus has an answer for everyone, every one of us. I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave, is not free. Everyone who sins is in bondage. And your conscience tells you it's true. Your conscience tells you it's true. We are, we are not free. Whatever but we've put in place to contradict Jesus' claim, our conscience tells us otherwise. Well, let's, let's skip over the, uh, the classic number ones and go to January 2021 and take a brief clip from the number one song on Spotify this year. See if our culture still agrees with Jesus. This is what everyone loved in January. They never freed the slaves. They realized that they don't need the chains. They gave us tiny screens. We think we free because we can't see the cage. They... Would you like your mom to see everything? Every search, every picture, every history, every message, every phone call? Jesus says, there's no buts here. Everyone who sins is a slave. There is no freedom down any of those paths. It's not where they lead. They lead to bondage. People listen to the song, put it in number one, because it says exactly what they already know. Exactly what they already there's no solution in the number one song, but there is solution. There's, a, there's an amazing solution. We all know it to some extent, but let's read about it in Galatians. There's many places we could turn. But in Galatians chapter 5, we read this. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let's look at that first part. Don't use your freedom to satisfy the sinful nature. Now he doesn't go, he doesn't go further down that. He, he goes to the other, the, the other side, the truth, instead of the lie right away. But, but let's just go down that path a little bit and think about it. Why, why would it be such good advice to not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful natures? Again, we all know the answer and we all know it's true. In fact, we know it's true enough to put it on number one. Okay, we're going back a few decades now again, but number one, we all know it.
we all know the paths Keith Richards tried to find satisfaction. And he admitted, it's not found. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. There's no satisfaction there. And we, we don't have to be convinced. We know it. We know it enough to put songs like that, messages like that on number one. But where's the solution? You see, that, that song could be a refrain for the biblical book of Ecclesiastes. So, Solomon had the means to follow every path to its end. And he found no satisfaction. He said it was all meaningless under the sun. But Solomon had a, had a refrain that pointed us to the truth. Hit, uh, the Rolling Stones didn't, but, but Solomon did. And his refrain was this. The fear of the Lord and the love of your family is where wisdom starts. All the other paths don't lead to anywhere good. So let's follow the path. Because Galatians here puts it all back together for us. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we, we started on this path last week. Serve in love. I'm not going to repeat that message. You can go to uh, the sermons tab on our website and listen to it if you missed it or, or need to listen to it again. But we, we saw that, that real love, the only love that really is real love, requires something of us. It always requires sacrifice. We have to give up something of ourselves, whether it's a tiny little death or a bigger death of something we hold dear, in order to serve another, in order to love them truly. It's an emptying of ourselves in order to love. It's the only true love. Every other love is a taking. And we're reminded of that time so long ago uh, in the first garden where, where God was continually and forever loving within a trinity. And we, we understand the trinity in the sense that, that, that one, one person of the Godhead is constantly emptying themselves completely and the other is receiving and, and filling back up. It's a, it's a constant and, ever, um, and, and never-ending giving and receiving. And then God created the earth and he put the first man and the woman into that circle of love where there's no pain and there's no suffering and there's no tears because everything that's given is returned in full. Perfect love. And then into that context, they reached out their hand from the giving circle and took for themselves. And said, wait a minute, but God... But there's another path. I think I know what good and evil is. And they brought sin and death into the world. And we today live in the fully blown out consequences of that action. And we participate in it. Our conscience tells us that it's true. Taking is not love. Giving and receiving is love. Taking is selfish. It always has been. It always will be. And it leads to death. It leads to death. And so the path to the cross is the path of serving in love. And it leads to freedom. There is satisfaction. 
We did get to the lake. Finally, the forest opened up. We had picked the right creek. And we got to the lake. And we put the canoes in the water. And I kid you not, there was a fish on every line for two hours. At the end of that trip, I had to put new line on my reel because there were so many times in a tiny little lake with four, four guys in two canoes where the, where the fish were pulling out the lines and then crossing the lines and then tangling them up. And the only way we could get our lines back was by cutting them and putting a new lure on and throwing them in again. We couldn't, we couldn't pull the fish over and have the other guy net it because the other guy had a fish on the line for two hours. A fish every cast. Well, maybe every second cast. I don't know. It was amazing. It was well worth the suffering if you're a fisherman. In fact, it was so worth it that I endured that suffering on various other occasions to get to the secret lake and fish there. It was well worth it. The path was worth following despite its hardships. And the story of Jesus isn't finished at the cross. Yes, he suffered. Yes, he died. But God filled up what he had given. And he rose from the dead. Victory over sin and death. And he offers to those who would say, I believe the truth. And I follow this path. He offers like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that he will walk with us in the fire and that we will walk out of it victorious. As hard as the path may be, I think it's worth it. I believe it's worth it. We start to experience that freedom now as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did before they were thrown in the fire. That courage, that strength, that ability to give even if it costs. That freedom. Because there is only one God. We all serve something. But there is only one God that does not take. And that is the true God of heaven and earth that gives in love. Even if it costs Jesus his life. I want to close with a scripture reading. The word freedom is not in it, but I think it's a beautiful description of, of what freedom is. And then we'll, we'll have the worship team return to, to give you some, a moment to, to sing together and, and just reflect on, on what you've heard. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 14. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? He's talking here about the different paths we can choose. How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be, be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God says, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. 
and I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. 